the My Cancer, My Choices podcast, a spotlight on men and cancer. Welcome to the My Cancer, My Choices podcast. I'm Mandy Barter. I'm the co-founder of My Cancer, My Choices. And here today, we have um, the chair of our charity, Colin McClay, and uh, oncology lead nurse, um, Mark Fuchs. And um, we're here to talk about uh, cancer, and more specifically, Colin. Uh, your cancer, because you've had uh, two types of cancer. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Okay, I'm Colin McLean. I've uh, I graduated as a vet, so I practised for a few years. I then went into industry, ended up my business career as the Director General of the Meat and Livestock Commission, a big quango. And then on my retirement, I moved into the health service and became the chairman of the Royal Box mm-hmm. Hospital. Um, Eventually, Foundation Trust um, did 12 years there and loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And during that period, I regrettably suffered from my first cancer, which was prostate cancer. Um, and on my retirement from the Royal Box in 2012, I actually was diagnosed with bowel cancer. So I've had two episodes, and it's on that basis I think um, you might have some questions for me. Well, it'd be nice to hear your experiences of those things because I know that you feel there's quite a lot of differences between your experience of those two cancers. It'd be really good to hear hear about that, particularly from a from a point of view of uh, of a man with cancer and seeing what what that what that felt like. So, if you want, to, I'm just wondering, should we do them in sort of time order then? And so, if you want to talk about your experience of talk about your prostate cancer and how you found it, and just just talk about that. Okay, well, that was 2008, and that was picked up from a regular monitoring of PSA levels, and I'd been doing that for five or eight years, and suddenly they they lifted, Mm. and therefore uh, I was sent in for a biopsy, Yes, which is via your rectum, which was a bit painful, Um, but uh, the most important thing, it was very accurate in its diagnosis, and Mm. therefore I needed treatment. Right. At that time, the most of the prostate cancers had been dealt with surgically. Yes. But during the previous four or five years, radiotherapy had been climbing up in effectiveness and results. Yeah. And at that stage, the surgeons and indeed the oncologist felt that there was little difference between the two methods of treating it. Yeah. But the most important part of my decision was that we knew what the side effects were of surgery, particularly on men's sexual functions and urinary tract um, infections. And radiotherapy, it was hoped, would get better results. And therefore I chose radiotherapy. Can I take you back a little bit? So when you got this diagnosis for your PSA testing, did you have any symptoms? Did you know that you you were even unwell? Did did, Did you have any... Any trouble, urinary problems or anything like that? No, no major problems. Oh, you're completely symptom-free? Symptom-free, yes. Mm. Difficult to judge as an individual. I might have been going to the loo a bit more often than other people, but I'm not sure of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's interesting, isn't it? So you came out of the blue, really? Yes, it did. So do you want to tell me a little bit about, or tell us a little bit about about the treatment and what that meant 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 for you the treatment itself for the prostate cancer what you had to had to put up with and, and how that went and how were you supported okay well the i was supported very very well by both the surgeon who had referred me to the oncologist and yeah. the oncologist himself yeah, okay. supported very well by both uh, the treatment was five weeks or five working day weeks or so 25 mm. days mm. 
of, of radiotherapy using IMRT, which is immune modulated radiotherapy, which is external radiotherapy. Uh, they put a little tattoo on your tummy so they know yeah. where to yeah. sit you down and to point the beam. The beam goes round and round you. Yeah. And um, and frankly, you don't really know that anything's happening. Yeah. In my case, the people tell me there is pain. There was no pain. There was no after effects. I would go back to my office yeah. in the hospital. And carry on working. And carry on working. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was fine. So I have no concerns about the treatment. The treatment appeared to be effective. Yeah. But quite soon after the treatment stopped, I began to see the effect of the side effects. Yeah. And I had hoped that they would be um, improved on those that occurred with surgery. But you didn't find that? But I didn't find that. I found that, that sexual dysfunction was yeah. quite quickly um, yeah. made okay. me aware of that. Um, and that was a, a serious problem. Uh, during this whole process, of course, I, because I was chairman of the hospital, I was I was keeping everything quiet. The only people in that hospital yeah. who knew I'd got a cancer were the oncology yeah. department. Yeah, um, and they kept their confidence, obviously, which was good. And the reason for that, this is a leader of a big organisation, is showing a weakness. And I know this is a male. Yeah, sort of we, yeah, we have spoken about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, you, you don't want to show it. So I certainly didn't, and I was well, and therefore perfectly capable of going on, so I got on with it. When the side effects started to come in, I had few urinary side effects. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of irritation and, and soreness um, yeah. after the end of the radiotherapy, and certainly a, a painful ejaculation yeah, yeah. that was happening but very soon after that without support there was no ejaculation because there was no erection okay so, so can i can i just discuss that with you a little bit then so did that did that come as a complete shock to you or was it something you might be were expecting but something you had to avoid had you had you spoken about this with sort of your partner or, or, or anything like that or i'd spoken about it with the surgeons, yeah, okay. and of course the oncologists, in other words, that they mm -hmm. naturally give you a warning of all the possible side effects. Yes. Yeah. And to be fair to everybody, because we were in that change period between surgery being the main method of treating yeah. it, okay. and radiotherapy becoming the more, um, well, the more regular method of treating it, they didn't have all the information about whether those side effects yeah. that occurred with surgery would also occur with radiotherapy. Okay. Regrettably, in my case, they did, okay. and I think I'm I'm right in saying that that's that's generally the case now that radiotherapy yeah. doesn't offer you an advantage in the side effects to surgery. Hence, people are doing research these on on uh, ultrasound treatments and what yeah. have you because they believe yeah. there may be less side effects, but I understand that they are slightly less effective. So you know. You play one one side yeah. up against the other. I think that's true, and I think sort of maybe we'll touch on that later. But I think sort of the treatment for prostate cancer is like it's like in some ways it's done very glibly, isn't it? It's like you know it's a it's a treatable cancer. Uh, uh, people can be treated. Lots of men get better and have long survival afterwards. But what it means for for them is quite a lot. It's a massive life change, isn't it? Because both. Sort of, sort of sexual dysfunction and having hormone therapy as well has massive means massive changes for men. Yes, it does. I mean, uh, the sexual dysfunctions there right at the beginning before mm. you get anywhere near the hormone therapy. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, 
I'm 12 years since the diagnosis mm. of the cancer, so I'm a survivor. Yeah. Um, but I can assure you that my sexual capabilities have, mm. have been close to nil for 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the other side of that particular coin is I'm well. Yeah. I have not got rid of the, the cancer. Mm. The cancer is still there, contained within the capsule of the prostate. Right, yeah. That's been measured by a more recent testing method of choline-led, um, um, it's not an ultrasound, it's yeah. a... Um, yeah, 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 scanning methodology. And it, they give you a little chemical, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. and they can find out it lights up when it's still active. Mm. And fundamentally, therefore, they know the cancer's still there, but it's contained within the capsule. Therefore, they then put you on hormone therapy, which is, of course, to actually suppress the male hormone, yes, which yes. is the driver of yes. the cancer. And what that does is when you're on the hormone, in my case anyway, it takes your drive away. No libido, loss of libido. It's loss of libido, well it's loss of drive as well as libido. Yes. It's, yes. So uh, like your own personal drive. Yes, mm. yes, yeah. and that, that's, that's and therefore in my particular case, it's, it's not all the time, it's one month in four. Yeah. Uh, I spend on it and I notice within three days of going on it, that loss of drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, the issue with all this, that it's all managed. I've had a great life, don't misunderstand me, yeah. but, but the sexual side is gone, um, and I'm a bit worried about staying on hormone treatment all my life, which I think I will have yeah. to because of this loss of drive. Yeah. And it's a, it's, a real, it's a very personal thing to a, to, to a man, that sort of drive, isn't it? That drive to do things, not only libido, which you know, it's important to me as well, but... I think that not only libido, but loss of drive, loss of that thing that's intrinsically male, isn't it? That thing about drive that we all value, that thing about adrenaline base. You, you, and you know, it's fair to say, you, 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 you always come across as like a man's man. You feel, you know, you're obviously sort of a masculine and, and driven person, successful businessman. So, what? Where do you go for support, or where did you go for support when these things happened? Well, that Were you the, able to? That was the challenge. No, there wasn't enough support. Don't misunderstand me. The clinical treatment, the diagnosis, the treatment yes. itself, and dealing with the disease itself was superb. Yeah. Um, the support, when the, I was warned of the side effects, as I've told you already, but once those side effects were in, I ended up going to my GP for right. help in the first place. And as most men in those circumstances get, they offer you Viagra. Yeah. And then they, because that's short and quick, yeah. uh, there's another drug called Cialis, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which of course you go on to. And you can do that. But as I've, and I did, but as I've said to you, there are other little bits of the side yeah. effects. So... For example, ejaculation was painful. Yeah, yeah. So you're not encouraged exactly yeah, to do yeah. all those things. Now, I, uh, I can't speak for how I would be now. I have no idea. Mm. I've learned to do without, and I'm mm. very happy in what I'm doing. Yeah. But there's no doubt that the support at that stage that was available, that, that I saw in my other cancer, yes. was not really there in quantity. My GP was helpful. But he didn't engage me in the, uh, the the sort of well-being side, the self-esteem side, right, and right, what right. have you. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you're alone. Yeah. That that's the real challenge, and that's a, a worry that I guess all men have, uh, because of the machoism, if you call yeah, it yeah. that, uh, the carer, the leader, the ones who's looking after everybody yeah. in the family, and what have you. We take on those responsibilities. Probably we don't even know we're doing it, but we do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and this actually therefore leaves you handling this sort of issue alone. Yeah. 
And when we come to talk about it, that's probably didn't happen to be one of the values of an organisation like My Cancer, My Choices. Yeah. Because it has uh, therapists who are trained in the cancer pathway, yeah. so and their listeners, yeah. as well as delivering whatever treatment they're doing, they're actually able to listen, sympathize to it. They have the time to do it, yeah. and that's incredibly valuable mm. to somebody to help them to find their own standing, yes. um, their own self-esteem again, and what have you. It's very important. Can, do you mind if I take you back to talking about the differences between? the way your colorectal cancer was managed and your prostate cancer and say why, because you were saying that it felt that it felt as if care was more wrapped around you in the colorectal center. Do you want to explain that a little bit more and talk well, about it? Well, it was massively important, but it was very different. Um, fundamentally, what happened with my bowel cancer, I was in London at a meeting, I went to the loo and the pan was full of blood. Okay. That sure. was the starting point yeah. of it. I immediately came back, saw my GP, got a very quick referral and ended up with an endoscopy and a biopsy. The endoscopy found the, the tumour mm. uh, in my bowel, uh, yeah. close to my rectum, and the uh, endoscopy um, uh, saw the cancerous cells. Mm. And therefore there was a very little decision that needed surgically removing. Yeah. That's a, a, a major operation yes. into your abdomen, big uh, foot and a half or two feet long section of your intestine removed. Uh, because the two ends of the intestine are way apart, there has to be a stoma, yeah. because when they pull the two ends together, they can't be sure that that, that yeah. stitching yeah. will hold. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a stoma and a bag, mm. uh, basically. Now, all of that was handled in a team-like way. Yes. Just as okay. in the prostate cancer, the, the surgeon was superb, big explanation so I understood what was going on right. but all the time either in the room or immediately afterwards there was always a specialist nurse of one sort or another yeah. who was who was providing the continuity all the time not mm. only during the diagnosis but during the surgical procedures in intensive mm. care afterwards the same clinical nurse specialist yeah. afterwards the the same stoma nurse who was mm. skilled in that sort of area so the support was there all the time. Okay. Now the second point is, of course, I was in a ward when I was having the surgery and in intensive care mm. with a lady in the a bed either side of me and what have you. Mm. We were all in exactly the same position and therefore uh, there was no issue of my machoism or whatever okay, else. Okay, so you felt much less isolated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the support, the, even though they weren't all ladies, but basically yeah. most of the clinical nurse specialists were, were women. Yeah. Um, uh, but the support was superb. Uh, yeah. Anything that I wanted to know about, they would explain. So I had all the information mm. that I needed to try and manage my own illness. Yeah. Um, in, in the case of the bowel cancer, the emotional side didn't play another role other than the life or death one. Yeah. You know, you're in intensive care, you're going to yeah. survive. So the emotional side was never a threat. Yeah. And therefore, in my view, that men and women who had that sort of illness um, treated in the same way. And the male uh, machoism doesn't come into it. You've got yeah. the same problems, it's, it's physical, yeah. um, uh, the problem in each case. So to review then, I suppose, the, the only point is that I suppose I'd like to ask you what we can learn 
from how, how we should look after people with prostate cancer and, and related sexual problems to pro with prostate cancer, how we can do better, how can we do better by men, what things can we do? And you've mentioned about a more holistic approach from my cancer and my choices, but is there anything else that we should do or can, can do to help, help men deal with this? Well, I think, I think there are organisations building up now. I know Rotary is taking an interest mm. in, in prostate cancer and persuading men to have more tests, etc., mm. etc., uh, there's no doubt that, uh, sorry, I can only speak for myself. No, no, we'll there's do no I, yeah. I hope mind. you will. <laughs> Talking to another man with what I call an emotional problem, with a sexual problem is mm. an emotional problem, yeah. that would be easier, but I don't think that's a solution because I probably wouldn't have done it yeah. to anybody. Yeah. It, it's my problem, as yeah. it were, and it's an emotional issue which I've got to learn to handle myself. Um, but the building up of these support groups, which is happening on large yeah. scale okay. now, where men, if they are willing, can go and join in a group discussion or listen to somebody else talking yeah. about it about themselves, mm -hmm. uh, that helps them without them showing something that makes their macho not mm, yeah. look as strong as they'd like it to be and what mm. have you. Yes. So being given um, information, because yeah. what, what men like and what I like is information. Yeah. I know it's my problem, I've got to manage it, I need the best possible information I can get and that's not only on the illness, it's on all the downstream yes. results of it, the side effects and everything else. Yes. So I can then, if you like, lead my own life at my pace and time yes. and retain my self-esteem. Yes. Yeah, I mean, to hear, I mean, do you think if you look back on it now, you would do things differently? Because you speak very eloquently and openly about, about, about this now. Would it have been helpful to have these sorts of discussions back then when you were in the middle of all of that with your prostate cancer, do you think? And I how could we have started that process off? I have to be honest and say, no, I don't think I could have been as open as I am being with you now. Yeah. I was leading, you know, an organisation employing 5,000 people. Uh, yeah. We were going to a transformation in the hospital at that time from a, an NHS yeah. trust to a foundation yeah. trust. Uh, the departments were working superbly well, I have to say, with their leadership yeah. and the... the uh, I had a clinician as, as my chief yeah, executive yeah. who was also very, very supportive of everything we were doing. Yeah. I don't think I would have been any more open. Yeah, that's, if I see, it cuts such the, to the heart of who you are, doesn't it? All yes. It cuts such to yes, the heart of who you are, and not only, your, not only your, your physical and emotional life, but also your employment life. It is, it's so deeply affected by this sort of thing. I, I, think, think, I think as I, and I suggest maybe some other men, want information they want to know what it's mm. all about and, and I'm a you know really the way clinically qualified myself so yes, I have yeah, some yes, understanding yes. of what it, so I want, analytical brain yes and I want the information yeah. and then I, I can then um, manage mm. my illness yeah. myself and therefore the provision of that information is probably the most important yes, okay. thing um, because sexual dysfunction and to some extent urinary dysfunctions mm. were not what I call the main line of the disease of prostate cancer, yes. uh, they are the side yeah. effects, then the amount of effort going in to produce information yeah. about yeah. them and what you might do yes. was not a lot. 
Yeah. Well, there may be more now, so let me be careful. But no, I think fundamentally I think that's something that's quite important. No, I, th- I think you're right because I spend a lot of time talking in meetings about when people say, "Oh, hormonal treatments for prostate cancer are very effective," and they are effective, but it doesn't take into account the emotional and physical impact that these mm. treatments have on men, mm. which is often taken almost taken for granted. And I think that's very very sad. And I think we need to do better at doing that and how we can support people. And I think talking to you about your experience is, is, is really valuable. If we can provide some sort of wraparound care, like your, your feeling was in colorectal cancer, where it didn't, feel, it didn't feel as if you were alone, didn't feel that you felt as if you were looked after and you could talk openly about your illness. If you had that same thing feeling about your prostate cancer, then you might have, it might have been easier for you and, and, and less it, traumatic. It might have been, but don't forget that my answer to your last question mm. was that with prostate cancer, yeah. it's different. Yeah. It's different because it touches a large scale on the emotional side for a man. Yes. And in many cases, and I don't believe I'm alone, the men want the facts, they'll make the decisions, yeah. they'll try yes. and drive it. And, but basically when it comes to the emotional side, yes, maybe with their wife, yeah. but I'm not sure I share all the detail yeah. with my wife, to be absolutely honest. But, um, so fundamentally, it's better if there are systems or yeah. groups who actually are putting out information mm. that told me yes. about those side effects and how I might help myself with them. Yes. I think I would have been better off. Yeah. And that doesn't ask me um, to be very open with everybody in a group around me. It, the, my prostate cancer was very different from my yeah. cancer. It's cancer. so interesting to hear that. I mean, I, but I, my own feeling mm. is I think you're putting... Putting the, putting the good spill on it, but I, th- I still feel that some, from a nursing point of view that we could have done better by you, by approaching that in a slightly different way, or at least giving you the opportunity to talk about these, these issues, the sexual emotional issues, in, in more of an open way. And I'm, I feel sorry that you felt so alone, looking back on it. So, uh, so yes, it's, it's, uh, yeah. but I think we could have done better somehow. I'm not sure that I have the answer. Maybe I don't. Well, I don't Mark, it, would it, you know, we're talking about 12 years ago, is it different now? Is there any... I think there are things that have changed. I think yeah. that the, there's a view that we do have more expertise in sexual dysfunction linked to prostate cancer and we actually have a way of referring that. We also have, have, also have a, uh, a, a psychosexual cancer we can access that we never had when, when you were. And I think that probably would have, would have been useful, at least um, my own feeling is that even just talking about these issues without having come up with a you know, a, a sticking mm. plaster fix-it type thing. Mm. Men always love a stick, sticking plaster fix-it thing, don't we? We always love that. But if we, even if we can't do that, at least you can talk about it. Yes. So I think we, we would have done, I think we would have done slightly better, but there is still a presumption that prostate cancer is somehow, you know, uh, your treatment is trouble-free because, you know, people live for a long time with it. But, mm. that's, you know, it's a hell of an impact on your life when, you know, when one moment you're sexually active and feeling very virile and, and, and several months later, some of that's been taken from you. I think that's, that's, yes. that's hard. It's hard. No, that's right. I mean, uh, as you've been talking, I'm just thinking, I mean, the hospital has a superb sexual health department. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know how much it deals with issues like this. I know mm. it deals with many of the youngsters' issues and what mm. have you. Uh, but there, that I know there are people with quite a lot of expertise yeah. in the in the health side from a sexual disease point of view. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily just a physiological point of view, yeah. but I'm, I'm sure some of them must have knowledge in that sort of area. And the same with urology. Yeah. Urology, because yeah. some of the side effects are, are urological. Yeah. 
and, and I don't know, it, there might be ways of building something like the team that I saw yes. in my bowel yes. cancer. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But I guess it's easier. The bowel cancer really is what in one department. You're not asking to jump across departments, so it will be slightly more challenging. I think that's a challenge for us, actually. I think yes. we need to we need to try and do that and look at men more holistically, mm. uh, which is which is what you're pleased about, really, isn't it? This is about why you talk, you're saying that we need to do better in terms of holistics, about giving people men the opportunity to talk about these things and have support that's very real. And you know, in a way, we have to appeal to men in a way that they'll take on that, that doesn't yes. alienate people and make them feel as if they're weak and weird. You know, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm sure that's very right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Really good to talk to, to talk to you about this, and thank you for sharing things so openly. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have anything to ask? No, I just wondered. Um, do you think um, would men benefit from support groups talking about this? Do you think that that would uh, would that help, or do you think that that is not something that men would talk about? Sort of sexual dysfunction. Any, any I doubt that, that I, 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 I'm talking about me, so yeah. I have to be yeah, careful, yeah, yeah. I can't talk for everybody. I think if I have to start with the information, I have to be, there has to be, or I would like there to be, um, information sources all around that I can tap into. Mm -hmm. So if you take the prostate cancer, I've already said the cancer diagnosis treatment was superb. Mm -hmm. um, Nothing to do that. The side effects were mentioned beforehand, but when they actually came and hit me, I felt very alone. My GP did a bit, but uh, mm. I don't think there was a deep understanding there. That may be, I don't think it'd be unfair to him, but yeah. basically. But there, there must be ways, if one recognises that, that there are, well, more than two, but two major side effects, the sexual side effects, uh, the urinary side effects, that there is an information source go back to my first point about men wanting information an information source says if this side effect happens here's either where to go or to read yeah. about it yeah. Yeah. or an information source if you want to base everything on information we will we'll provide you access to that information yeah. source and then you can understand how to do better or how to mitigate the sexual dysfunction yeah, or what yeah, have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or face it, up to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, recognition of it, isn't it? Yes. So recognition of it, yes. this is a problem that yes. we understand, that, we've, that, that we, you know, there's a recognition that it's not, a, it's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's probably why that makes me feel a little bit sad that you were just left to get on with it. It's like, yeah, you go, crack on with that, you know, sorry about that. So well, but, feel a little bit but do remember the service has got limitations. Yeah. The health service as a whole has got yeah. limitations. There clearly are some aspects of the work that my cancer, my choices is doing. Yes, yeah, yeah. That are helping to support and, as I said, to say closing gaps, but actually are are adding value to the support mechanisms yeah, no, that yeah, hospital yeah, is delivering so superbly. Um, so there is a place. Uh, I don't know how to do it for men. We have to get them involved and engaged, and it might be more men in my cancer, my choices, yeah. um, to be able to chat to people. But even the the men who already work in my cancer, my choices, when I talk to them about this issue, they talk about male maturism mm. as probably the leading um, prevention of male men coming for attention. So it's the same; they're mm. identifying the same problem. So I go back to my original concept is if men need information and won't openly deal with the emotional side, I think we have to find ways of providing them with the information. 
What about some, because I see a lot of leaflets from um, uh, Prostate Cancer UK, yeah. which is a big charity. Yes. Um, they must obviously deal with this. They, they do, and they yeah. provide in, in, information probably more so than when you, than yeah. you were being treated. Mm -hmm. and, and people can seek sources of in, information, but it's the way in, in which... It, I think you have to appeal in more than one way, don't you? And I think, I think because, you're, because of the way you think, and you're, a, you're basically a scientist, you like to have yeah. information, stack your information up and make some choices against that. Mm. But I think that if you, if you work in a slightly different way, you think, I don't, I'm just feeling so isolated, I don't know how to talk to somebody about, about this. We have to be able to offer things in a slightly different way. Mm. So I think it would be good to be able to have a range of, range of resources available to men where they can talk about things. And I'm not sure we have all those. In, in, in place. I, I think, think that's very right and I think yeah. that inside that all men are different like everybody else there's no doubt that information is of value to people in my peer group yeah. if you like um, my kids ex-university or what have you there are a significant proportion of our society who, who don't have that background training yeah. maybe aren't doing quite as well as I was doing and what yeah. have you and, and, well, different feelings in those, it, yeah. yes, in those circumstances it's probably not my experience but I believe probably a tougher problem yeah. mm. with trying to get to those groups of people mm. to actually help them mm. and you're right it might be not just the provision of information that would cause them to yeah. learn quicker and do better yeah. Yeah. maybe they do need support and, uh, I, think, I don't know how to do that. I think I think I think that you know, what we've talked about today is about about having a more holistic approach, and my cancer, my choices are a part of that. And I think it it, it, it behoves us as the health service as things go on. We'll have more people who are living with the side effects of treatment, mm -hmm. more people who live in as as you do with these issues that have been caused by treatment, and we have to find a better way of approaching that. Would be my view, and I think you know head in the right direction, but there's a lot more work to do yet. Yeah. Good. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, Colin, for being here. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for being yeah. so open. <laughs> yes. And thank you for being on chat. Thank you. <laughs> this was a My Cancer, My Choices production. Complimentary therapy from us to you. For more information, visit mycancermychoices.org.